hey, happy Mother's Day. And if me saying that just surprised you and you're like, wait, I didn't know it was Mother's Day, go ahead and pause and run out to, well, I guess the other room and say happy Mother's Day or get on Amazon and say shipping's late, whatever you want to do. But happy Mother's Day. I hope everyone's having a wonderful one. Uh, I know that it's different than usual, but, but it's still Mother's Day, so we want to celebrate that. Uh, I'm going to continue my series, which is Who Am I?, in which I'm going to talk about those times in our lives where we make decisions, where we face things that help define who we are. As I've said, and I will continue to say because it's important to note, there's no one point that will define you forever. No one good thing that you've done that will define you forever. No one bad thing that you've done that will define you forever. We, we are defined through our relationship with Jesus, through our identity in Him, and also through the choices that we make along the way and, and how they shape us and how we uh, shape others and how we go along that. Last week I talked about David and Goliath, one of the most popular and well-known stories, and how he was going through this time where he's a young guy and no one believes in him, literally no one. His family was like, you can't do this. The king is like, you can't do this. Until finally he's like, well, you can do it, but you have to be just like me. And through it all, David wasn't saying, you know, I'm awesome. I can do whatever I want. He was saying, God is awesome and he can work through me. God can do this for me. And so he continued to run forward and walk forward and he turned down the king and he went out there and he won and immediately gave glory to God. And he was showing that even though no one else believed in him, he believed in God and God believed in him. And that was all that he needed. Uh, it's still a hard thing to, to deal with because it hurts. And yet we see that even a young kid, a teenager, can be successful in such a way that God can work through all of us in several ways. And so this week I'm going to another story which is probably close to as well-known, maybe equally as well-known, uh, and it's Daniel in the lion's den. And so after I say that, don't jump ahead to where you're going to go, because I want to go step by step and the different choices, because this week I want to talk about those times where we have to make a stand, and I'm calling this week The Stand, and, and because there are going to be times, maybe in our lives, where we have this big choice to make, where we have to, to choose our faith over something else. Uh, some of us face that already, some of us may face it, most of the time, though, it's smaller choices along the way where you have to choose, uh, do I tell people that I'm a Christian? Is this the time to witness? Is this the time to, to uh, pray out loud? Like, whatever it is, there are so many choices along the way, and I want to talk about a couple of them in Daniel chapter 6. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers because of Daniel's great ability. The king made plans to him over the entire empire, uh, to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy, so they concluded our only chance of finding ground is accusing, in accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Um, so at this point, it's just kind of showing who Daniel is. It's just kind of saying Daniel was a faithful person. He did his best. He was a, a good guy. He was a smart guy. He was a hard worker. He loved God, and he showed that in the way that he, he lived his life, in the way that he worked. It, it affected 
affected who he was personally. It affected who he was in his job and all of that. He didn't hide his faith. He lived out his faith. And because of that, because he was so successful, because he did such a good job, there were people who didn't want to do such a good job. And they were like, yeah, I'd rather kind of coast, but still uh, get the grades. I'd rather kind of coast, but still get the promotion. I'd rather just kind of do what I want and then still be rewarded for it. We could all think of people throughout our lives in school, in work, in, in the world where we've seen them live like that, where it's like they want to do the bare minimum, but they want to be rewarded or, or given to just like the people that, that are doing their best. And, and you see that in all walks of life. You see that in all income brackets. You see that in all faiths. You see that among all people. And, and here they are doing well, since it's Mother's Day, uh, most of us have at one point or another, when we're kids, maybe you got made fun of, maybe you got bullied, and your mom says the gem, uh, they're just jealous of you. Now, you know, sometimes that's true, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you have glued-in baseball cards, and you wear a weird little old man shirt to school, and you have stupid parted hair, and people make fun of you because you're able, easy to make fun of. Still not right, but still, it's something that happens. But sometimes there is jealousy. In this case, there is absolute jealousy, and and... It's partly because of his religion, but it's more because he's making them look bad. And this goes straight to, to what Jesus was going through, where Jesus did everything to his best. He did everything right. He did everything the, the good way, the right way, the godly way. And people hated him for it. Because one of the things you'll find is when you are successful doing things the right way, people will be upset often. They will be like, well, that's not fair. Uh, sometimes when people do things the wrong way and are successful, people just kind of let it slide, and that sucks when you're doing your best. And so in Daniel's case, he's just keeping his head down, and he's doing what he can do. He, he is doing everything that he should. And now from here, the people that were jealous, the other administrators, they go to the king. And they manipulate him into setting up a law. And you're like, well, he's the king. Why would he listen? Why would he, he allow himself to be manipulated? One of the things that happens often with people with great power is they kind of start to believe their hypes. Not everybody, but often. And so in this case, the king was the king. And he wanted to be the king. He believed that he earned being a king. He believed that he was special because he was a king, like most kings do. Like most world leaders throughout history have. They believe that they're there for a purpose. Some are. Some have an ego bigger than their purpose and all of that. And so that's what we see here, where the, the administrators are going up to him. And they're like, whoa, you're so awesome, king. Like, I, I can't believe that not everybody's praying to you. Oh, man, that's such a, a good idea. Bobby, like, this is what we should do. And then Terry is like, yeah, 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 you're right, Jim. We got to get everybody more involved here. And the king's like, yeah, you know what? That's a good point. Like, you guys, that's pretty cool. And, and then they're like, hey, you know what? You're the king, and you're the best king ever. Everybody should know that, so we should make it. Just off the top of my head, where people that don't pray to you get thrown into the lion's den. And, and they probably sped through that part. And they're like, yeah, that, that's right, that's right. And they agreed with each other. And he's like, oh man, hey, you know what? I just had an idea. People that don't pray to me, they should be thrown into the lion's den. And, and so it was to, to, in their hearts, their minds, they only had Daniel in mind. They didn't care that innocent people who had nothing to do with any of this, people they didn't know, maybe even family members of them would be, be hurt. And so when they were faced with this choice, and I'm going to go through three different people's choices here. They were faced with this choice of Daniel is working so hard and being rewarded and he's above all of us now. What do we do? They had the choice of working hard, of talking to Daniel and say, hey, could you help us out? Could you give us an idea of what we could do better? Could you talk about how you are so, so successful. 
Uh, they could have done that. They could have gone to the king and said, hey, you know what, do you have any other jobs we could do? Because we want to kind of step up too. We want, we're, we're learning from other people's experiences, examples. Or they could have done what they did, and it's like, hey, you know what? We can either build ourselves up or we can tear everybody else down so they're at our level. And time and time again, we find that that is the easiest way to go. Uh, that is what you see in the world. That is what you see so many places where it's so much easier to tear other people down than to build ourselves up. That's why you see just a plethora of insulting comments on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, on Twitter, in text messages, like in the world when you talk. Like we see people where most, a lot of the jokes, a lot of the quote unquote funny comments are designed just to, to mock other people, to mock other races, to mock other sexes, to mock other religions, to mock other people that aren't them. Because by doing that, Everybody can be like, oh, wow, well, this, we're better than that. We're better than them because we're not making fun of ourselves. They're not making fun of us. And so that's what these guys are doing. They made the wrong choice. Now, even that didn't have to define them, but they did. And so we get to the next part of the scripture. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Uh, yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It's an official law of the, of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So before I go on to, to the big quote-unquote part of the story... Uh, what Daniel did here shows exactly who he is, who he is in hard times, who he is in good times. He again had a decision. Now, there are a lot of different calls that he could have made. There are some people who would have gone into the royal court with everybody around and then gotten down to pray to God there. They would have done it very publicly and very with everyone else watching and just to, to show like, hey, nothing is going to scare me away from worshiping my God. And that's a, a choice. That's a personal choice that they feel strongly and convicted about. Uh, there are some people who would close the windows when they're praying. They would still pray. They would never pray to the king, but they would close the windows. And, and they would feel, hey, you know what? I'm not going to let this change me, but I, I, I can do good work where I am, and I don't have to lose my faith, and, and I don't have to, to put my family in danger or whatever reason. And they pray just as much as, as they always did, and they don't give in to the king, but they just do it more privately. Daniel goes in the middle of those things, and he goes home just like he always did. He opens his windows because that's the custom, and he prays. And in praying, he is not thinking, oh, people are going to come and catch me. But he's also not thinking, nobody's going to come and catch me. He's just going to God because something big happened, something bad happened. And so he went to God, and that's what we're supposed to do. That's what prayer is. And so all of those choices are, are good choices. And, and I can't tell you which one in your life you should do. I can't tell you uh, what, what your role will be, what your calling will be. It's just like there are people who stand up and they're pastors. There are people who lead music. There are people who run sound, people who are ushers, people who uh, are in the congregation, people who do all kinds of things to further the kingdom. None of those is better or worse than the others. It's all to further the kingdom. It's all for a purpose. And so we see here, this was Daniel's choice. This is how he felt led. He trusted God's calling, and so he went and he prayed. And they were jumping at the chance 
to catch him. They were so excited. It says that they came up and looked for him, but they were probably like right outside his door waiting for him to come through and hiding in cardboard boxes with little holes poked in them that said fragile, don't touch. And they're like, man, we got him now. And so they popped out and then they ran to the king. And so we get to the king and the king liked Daniel. The king didn't care about his faith. The king loved himself though. And so he has a choice. And we don't often think of that with kings as having a choice because they kind of do what they want. But he has a choice here because he is the king. And they come to him and they say, hey, king, uh, you know how we were just talking? Like, this is so crazy. Like, we were just talking about this. We were just saying the other day, what was it? Oh, yeah, that, that you made this law, this awesome law that you came up with on your own about throwing people into the lion's den that don't pray to you. And he's like, yeah, I remember that. It was like yesterday. You guys were here. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that still a law? And he's like, it, it was yesterday, guys. Like, yes, it's still a law. And they're like, oh, good. Hey, by the way, Daniel, your favorite, he didn't pray to you. He prayed to God. And so the king hears this. And in the next part, the, the king, his heart falls. And he tries to come up with ways in his mind, in his heart, to save Daniel. And yet he had just said, the law is irrevocable. He had just said, this is my word. He had just said, I will not make exceptions. And so he had driven himself into a corner. And again, as the king, he had a choice too. He could have said, hey, you know what? Let's not get hot-tempered about this. Why did you guys really want me to do this law? Like, what good is this? Let's, let's look at this law and let's change it a little bit. Let's alter it. I'm the king. I can do what I want. Now, in that case, there would be people that would obviously, and probably these three would start it, would run around saying, yeah, the king doesn't have control of his kingdom. He flip-flopped. He changed his mind. He, was, he voted on this years ago, and now he voted on this, and this is what he's doing now. And they would tear him down quietly because he's the king. Uh, there would also be people that would say, hey, man, I respect him. He thought this through. He changed his mind. And the king probably knew all of that. And yet when the time came for him to make the decision, he chickened out. Just like Pontius Pilate with Jesus, he chickened out. And he said, you know what? I said it. I got to do it. I've got to stick to it. Have you ever been in that position where you've said you've been vocal about something? Maybe about something that you think. Maybe about something that you want to do. And then you get to that point. And you're faced with that moment of decision. And it's like, man, I've changed my mind. Or this isn't what I thought it would be. But everybody's looking at me, so i got to go ahead. And we allow that to push us forward. We forget why we made the decision in the first place. We forget who we are in that moment sometimes. And the king has forgotten who he is. He's forgotten why he's a king. Not just for power. And as weird as it sounds, as crazy as it sounds, the king gave in to peer pressure. All of us face that in different ways. We all worry about what other people think, even if we don't want to worry about what other people think. And so the king says, I guess we got to do it. And we go to the next part. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, we know that according to the law of Moses and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave uh, orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Uh, that's before I go on, that's an interesting comment because the king was not a Christian. He was not, well, nobody was then. He was not a, a Jewish believer. He was not a believer in God. And yet he respected Daniel so much. And even though he didn't believe what he believed, he respected Daniel so much that he said, may your God save you. And the way he said it 
was not in a mocking way. It wasn't in a, yeah, he doesn't exist way, even though he didn't believe he existed. But he's, he, in his heart, he's hoping. I hope you have a way out of this, Daniel. I hope that you're right. And that's, that's admirable in many ways because he's putting himself on the line a little bit. But he's still, even to this point, even though the laws can't be changed, he's the king. He could have said, you know what? I've thought this through. Uh, you don't have to go down there. Or the lions, you can go in the lion's den, but the lions uh, are going to be caged up. Or something, some trick. And yet he had enough grace, enough courage to say something kind to Daniel, but not enough to stand up, not enough to make any big choice, not enough to make any giant uh, movement, any giant motion, any, any heartfelt plea. Uh, we've also been in that situation probably where maybe we, we are in a situation where other people are making fun of someone or other people are saying awful things, other people are doing awful things. And so we convince ourselves, well, I'm not joining in and I'm not laughing, so it's okay. And again, this is a personal thing and maybe it is. But in that, just in standing there, we're also kind of saying it's okay. So the king can say all day, hey, Daniel, you're awesome, and I hope your God saves you. But the way that he is acting by just letting it happen, he's giving his authority to, to this. He's giving his affirmation to this. And so we do that too. One of the things that I point out sometimes, if you're in a group, and like you, you're somewhere, whether it's work or school, uh, at home, probably not at home because you're related to those people, but you're, you're with a group of friends, people that you're close to, and a couple of them are making crude, uh, sexist, racist, bad jokes. Jokes that you know are wrong. And you've got, like, over your shoulder, there's a couple people that you were hoping to invite to youth or ho hoping you were invite, will invite to church. Uh, and you're not saying anything and you're not laughing. And maybe you're even turning a little bit red. And, and you know, they're making the jokes and then it's over. And you turn around and, and those people are there and they've heard the whole thing. And you're like, hey, would you like to come? And they're like, I'm not going to go. Like, if this is what it's like, I'm not going to go. And teens, adults, kids, we've all kind of been in this situation, in this point where we kind of don't want to make a choice, and in doing so, we make a choice. And again, I'm not going to tell you that that's not the right thing to do sometimes. I'm not going to tell you because it has to be between you and God. It has to be you understanding, well, I'm standing down so that I can talk to them privately and not embarrass them, though. not embarrass them. Or it's, it's little by little, like I'm trying and I'm working with it. Uh, but, but sometimes it's just I don't want to lose the friendship. Sometimes it's just I don't want to be put myself in the place where the people we're making fun of are. And so the king is kind of there. And so, as we continue this little part, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king uh, sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his uh, nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to the palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. In a way, again, this is admirable. Uh, but he's also trying to have his cake and eat it too. That is a phrase that as a kid I didn't really understand because it's like, well, why would you have a cake if you can't eat it and then I would eat a cake? Uh, but it's very much like, and I'll explain it in case you don't know it, uh, but it's, you, you want to have the cake forever so that it's like anytime you're hungry you can go back and get that cake, but you also want to eat the cake. And when you eat the cake, it's like, I don't have the cake anymore. And so the king is like, man, I want to have people respecting me, and I want to have Daniel's admiration, and him to think, oh, thank you for fighting for me, but I also want to keep my royalty, keep my authority, keep my, my uh, position, and so he goes home and fasts, and it's good, but he also still is not, he still was the person who sealed him in, and so we all know what happened next probably, but very early the next morning, 
The king got up and hurried out of the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithful, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted out of the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Uh, and from there, I'll go to the king real quick. From there, the king uh, did change the law. And he threw the, the quote-unquote bad guys down into the den and let them die. And he actually changed. I don't know for how long. I don't know if he stayed a believer for his entire reign, for his entire life. But he believed in Daniel's God. And he puts out a law like, hey... Everybody can pray to God now. Like, you can pray uh, however you want. And, and it's a wonderful moment because he finally, after several bad choices, makes a wonderful choice. And in a way, it was made for him because God saved Daniel. The king didn't do it. But there are going to be times that you do make bad choices. Maybe not even the wrong choice, but you do make bad choices. Or you make choices you wish you hadn't made. And, and you feel stuck. But you're never stuck because God is there. And so you can keep going forward and another choice will present itself if you pay attention. Uh, I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it now. When I was in college, I was a senior in college and, you know, there were dinosaurs everywhere and cavemen and all that stuff. And, and so I remember very clearly when I was called into ministry, like I, it was almost like a voice uh, of God saying, hey, you know, I want you to go into ministry. And I had no idea what that meant because Ball State's not a, a, a Christian school. And, and so I was like, you know, I went to church and I, I was there. I didn't do anything that, that I considered bad, but, but I, I still didn't understand. And I, in my mind, it's like, well, if I want to go into ministry, I have to go to Olivet or, or Indiana Wesleyan or whatever other Christian college that there is around in the area. And so I, I was, like I said, graduating with a very impressive, lucrative English degree that makes millions of dollars for a lot of people. Don't be an English major. It's fun, but you know, um, if you want to make money. But uh, so I, I, I felt that call and I was like, well, I, I can't afford to, to go to Olivet and I, I don't have that time. Like I have to take care of my grandma and I have to do this and that. And, and so I, I, it's not that I turned it down. But I said, I just don't understand. This has to be a mistake. And so I went about my life. I worked for the government for a while. Uh, and, and then I went to get a master's in creative writing because obviously I make wonderful choices about career. I, God made one for me, thankfully. But writing, yeah, it's fun. But I went through my master's. And while I was getting my master's, uh, my great-grandmother had Alzheimer's and it was getting worse. And so I wanted to go home to take care of her. And I also went through a dark period of just worse depression than usual and, and this feeling of, of doubt, this feeling of worry, of not knowing where I stand. And, and I, God made it clear to me, hey, you need to get on the right path. Now, most of us, if someone says no to us at a certain point or says not yet, we will give up. If we ask somebody to go to church and they say no, sometimes it's like, well, I'm never going to ask him again. Or if we ask somebody to do something and they say no, it's like, well, I'm never going to ask him again. Uh, and, and we kind of not hold a grudge, but we're just like, well, that, that door's closed. But God is like, hey, I have a plan for your life. And I want you to say yes to me. And so I'm going to give you another opportunity because that choice did not define you. And I learned things in that period of time that have helped me in my ministry. But I went home and that very first Sunday that I went home, the, the youth pastor had a call for volunteers, people that wanted to work in youth. And so, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. And, and it very easily could have been me saying no again because I was terrified of public speaking. I was terrified of what my life would look like. And I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't know how, how to 
minister and all of those things. And yet I finally was like, God, you've taught me so much over the course of my life and especially in these two years. And so I, I trust you now. And so, and I always trusted him, but I trust you in this. And so I went forward and there have absolutely been times most of the time where I'm like, this is right. Like I definitely feel called and I still feel like this is right. This is where I'm supposed to be. God is with me. There have also been times of debt where I'm like, man, I'm not making an impact or I don't know if anybody actually listens or, or I don't know if, if, if I'm good enough. And we all have those feelings. And, and in those feelings, we make little choices because there may be times in your life where, like Daniel, you're faced with this giant decision, maybe at work, maybe at school, maybe at college, maybe somewhere where you have this giant decision of, I have to stand up for my faith or you know, I'm done. Like I have to stand up for my faith or I have to renounce it. And maybe you'll have those decisions. And in those times, God will be with you and he will give you the courage and the strength and the ability to, to deal with anything. But most of the time, it'll be little decisions, small decisions with our friends, with our family, uh, at home, at work, at school. And I want to say one more thing before I go on about Daniel. Because he was rescued, we look at this as an amazing, victorious story because he made the right decision. He stood up for his faith and God saved him and he changed the king's heart and everything was perfect and wonderful and they all lived happily ever after. And that is absolutely true that God was so amazing in this situation and that Daniel did the right thing. But even if Daniel had died in that den, it does not mean that God didn't care and it does not mean that he did the wrong thing because to die for your faith to die for what you believe in, to die for those you love, is still doing the right thing. And we see through the disciples, 11 of the 12 uh, died in horrible, horrible ways. Uh, Judas aside, the rest of them except for John, uh, were put to death for their faith. And, and it's not that because God didn't save them or because John lived to an old age and the others didn't, it doesn't mean, well, John's better or he's the favorite or, or God ignored them. None of that is true. Because they believed, and through their lives, they gave every bit of it, just like Jesus gave every bit of his. Uh, there's another story that always comes to my mind when I talk about Daniel in the lion's den, and that's Rachel Scott. Uh, it's been a long time in the 90s. It was one of the first school shootings, and it's sad that I can say one of the first, but it was at Columbine. And... Rachel Scott was a Christian, and people would talk about her, how she would stop her car and sing hymns, and like she was such a wonderful person. She, she showed respect and love to everyone, and she lived how we hope that we all live, and she lived like Daniel. And when the, the guys came in to, to do all the shooting and, and to execute people, they had her down in front of them, and they had a gun up to her head. And I'm sorry if this is graphic, but it's something that happened, and it's important. And they asked her, paraphrase, they asked her, uh, where's your God now? Like, do you still believe in the Lord? And she had a decision. And in her head, in that split second, probably a lot of things went through her head. Because like I said, Daniel could have closed the windows or Daniel could have pretended or whatever else and still lived out his faith. She could have said nothing or could have said, uh, I, I don't know, or something to get out of that situation. Now, going against your faith is not a good thing. But she could have done that, gotten out, prayed, gotten forgiveness. But that isn't who she was. And it isn't who she served. And so what she did was say, yes, I do. And they killed her. And it's awful. And that does not mean that her life is less important than Daniel's or that God cared more about Daniel than her. It means that they both were faced with faith decisions where they had to take a stand or not. And they chose God. And 
even though through the world's eyes it looks like Daniel's was more victorious, Rachel's dad goes around the country still talking about that moment, talking about what the faith meant to, to Rachel. And there are absolutely people who look at that and whose lives were changed because of that decision. And so, yeah, God could have saved her, but people suck sometimes. And those guys there, they killed her. And so the decision was, was an awful one for them. But for her, she chose to stand, even on her knees like that. Daniel chose to stand, even as he's thrown into the lion's den. The king didn't. Pontius Pilate didn't. These guys didn't. In your life, as I said, there are going to probably be a couple big moments. But most of the time, it's going to be the little ones. Do I laugh at this joke? Do I tell this joke? Do I post this? Do I make this judgment? Do I say this? Do I go out with that guy, with that girl? Do I, I take this job? Do I pray here? Or do I do this? Do I pray before a meal? I can't tell you how each decision will come up. And I can't tell you what will happen afterwards, but I can tell you this. The same God that gave Rachel the courage to die for her faith, that gave Daniel the ability and the courage to live for his faith, that changed the king's heart, that helped David beat Goliath, the same God that gave me time after time again to go into the ministry and taught me through every step of the way, the same God who created the entire world, the same God whose plan is perfect for each and every one of us, the same God who loves us completely and totally and forever will be there with you in each of those decisions. Now, there are going to be times where other people make different decisions and, and you're going to be like, well, I should copy off them. No. The only person you should worry about is God and what He is telling you to do. Now, He may make it clear through what your parents say, through what your friends say, through what other people say, but pray, just like Daniel did. Pray. And when you have to take a stand, Pray how you should take the stand, but never be afraid to do it. Never be afraid to do it, because it will matter. And if you're taking a stand, you may lose friends. I have had times in my life where I've told someone that I'm a Christian, and that's it. Like It's not like throwing a Bible at them or anything, and they stop talking to me. I have had times in my life where, where there have been Christians who didn't think I was Christian enough. Because of the way I dress, because of my hair, because of, and this is an embarrassing story, but because when I was in high school and college, I had an earring. Never going to again, but still. Like there were times where it's like, well, he doesn't look like a Christian, he's not a Christian. And both of those feelings suck. But I don't answer to those people ultimately. I answer to God. Daniel doesn't answer to the king ultimately. He respected him and he didn't go against him. He could have jumped out of the, the pit yelling and cussing at him. Rachel didn't answer to those guys. We answer to God, and through Him, He will give us the ability to stand. He will give us the ability to move forward. Have people around you who help you to know how to handle that. Have people around you who help you feel your strength, your courage, your abilities, because I promise you that you have them. And I promise you that even if there are consequences for standing up, that it will be worth it in the long run. And I also promise you that if you've had a moment already where maybe you've made the wrong decision and you didn't stand when you wish you had, or you stood for the wrong thing or something, your life's not over. As long as there is life, there is hope, and God has a plan for you. He has a path for you, and He will not give up. He will never give up on you. So do your best to always make the right choice. Do your best to always take the stand. But if you fail, that does not define you. It does not define you. Your life in Him will define you and He will give you 
another chance if you ask him, if you accept him, if you move forward in him. All of us have this calling. Like I said, some for ministry, some for other things, some to be Christians in the world, whatever. But we all have a plan. We all have a purpose. We all have that God who loves us so much that he will always be with us through life, through death, through tough times, through good times, through everything. And it is on us to stand up for him, but also to stand up for everyone else, even if we don't agree with them, and to say, I will do my best to live as Daniel did, to live as Rachel did, to live as Jesus did, most importantly, and to treat everyone like I want to be treated, and to stand up for what I believe, for what is right, for what is good, and to do it in God's name. That's all I got.